Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonus, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, just visit Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good, I hope. I am doing good. All is, well, I take that back because I know everybody wants an update on Chicken World. Uh, I don't, uh, in the previous shows, I had said something that I had gotten some Blue Andalusian chicks. Okay. I lost a couple. They just died. Some That happens a lot with chicks, even though I had grown them pretty much. I had moved them into a uh, an old dog crate, you know, not the plastic ones, the caged ones, because these, these, uh, types of this species of chickens, they're foragers. And if you keep them, even as they're growing up, if you keep them like in an enclosed, too close spot, which is what I was doing to keep them safe as chicks, they, they kind of like can pick on each other. So I moved them to this big bottom line to make a long story short. This morning I went out something and I don't know yet, which has got me totally wigged out, dug under the crate which had metal and pulled out two of my chicks killed them i don't know well they're gone ate them i take it and injured a third one i've got three left and one is injured on the wing so i promptly removed them all and i'm still perplexed because whatever it did dug it had to be some some people say it could be a raccoon it could be a possum because i've got in other words i had to go through two fences i've got an outer fence around my whole property and then i've got a fence around this area of a large area where I keep all my, all the chickens. But bottom line, this thing went under the crate, the iron, and it just, you know, pulled them out. So yeah, things are not good in Marlene's chicken kingdom. Not at all. But it is what it is when you live out in the middle of the sticks like I do. But again, now I've got a predator out there, which usually they stayed away because I have my dogs go out at night. You know, I don't leave them out, but they, I think between the smell of the dogs and everything, I hadn't had a problem, but I think I'm going to have to start doing that pretty soon. And um, what can I say? It's one of those things. Anyway, let me get on and talk about one of my sponsors. This is Plan to Stay Safe. They have a bunch of great little uh what i call spy gear but really it's not spy gear it's more like safety stuff this is an expensive stuff like you know um not like a big security system but let's say if you need a travel alarm something that you want to hang on the doorknob let's say you're in a hotel room you want to hang like an alarm on the doorknob make sure if it ever goes off somebody comes into your uh into your hotel room uh, it also has a bunch of things like that that are great safety features. They have a large array of women's self-defense products. Um, also, uh, things like, uh, you know, those smaller cameras and, uh, like diversion safes, like, hey, you know, 
I, I'm not going to buy this huge big safe, but I want a place that I could stash some money, uh, maybe some of my valuables that I want to keep. They've got a bunch of uh, really well-priced products of that type where you could just like hide some of your stuff in case anybody does ever break into your place. Chances are, you know, they're not going to know what to look for. There's, they've got a lot of stuff like that. So check them out. Uh, plan to stay safe.com. Plan to stay safe.com. Say that three times really quick. They believe me, they've got a bunch of stuff there. Um, well priced and practical. That's what I call it. it. It's practical stuff for everyday living. All right. Especially if you want to stay safe and this is how you plan to stay safe. Now let's go on to the good part. The good part has to do, of course, with who we have as a guest today. And this is a first time guest here at Stories of the Supernatural. Her name is Pamela K. Kinney. And Pamela is an award-winning published author of horror, science fiction, fantasy, poetry, and a ghost wrangler of nonfiction ghost books published by Schiffer Publishing. Her horror short story, Bottled Spirits, published by Buzzy Mag, was runner-up for the 2013 Small Press Award. All right. Two of her nonfiction ghost books were nominated for Library of Virginia Awards. I know that there's – I think she's published another book – We'll ask her about this. Her latest nonfiction book to be published, Paranormal Petersburg, Virginia and the Tri-City Areas, was released in 2015. She's also done acting on stage and in films and is a master costumer, costuming since 1972. And she even does paranormal investigating, including for DVDs for Paranormal World Seekers, filmed by Ava Productions. She was casting director for High Mountain Films movie, The 19th. She was an extra in the film, too, and she wrote a horror scheme, screenplay, Crawl Space Creep, now with an indie production company. She's a member of Horror Writers Association, the local Virginia chapter. She admits she can always be found at her desk and on her computer writing, and yes, the house husband and even the cats sometimes suffer for it. I get that. Guilty as charged myself. Um, and uh, she's also written under the pseudonym Sapphire Phelan which she published erotic and sweet paranormal fantasy science fiction romance, along with a couple of erotic horror stories. Her erotic urban fantasy by the pseudonym Sapphire, feeling being a, being familiar with a witch is a PRISM 2010 awards winner and an Epic Awards 2010 finalist. The sequel to Being Familiar with a Witch, A Familiar Tangle with Hell, was released in June of 2011 from Faze Books. Both ebooks were combined into one print and The Witch and the Familiar released in April 24th of 2012. And help me welcome her, and we can talk also about her latest book. How are you doing today, Pamela? I'm doing fine. And I can tell you the Sapphire stuff right now, I got all the rights back because the publisher of that, uh, I don't know what happened, but they gave us our rights back. It's Monday, really? the main ones, and Faze is their, um, part of them. So mm-hmm. I'll probably put them up just to self-publish it. I'm at that point with them. Uh, and yes, there is another ghost book, Haunted Surrey to Suffolk. I got my rights back. Me and the publisher did not have an eye to eye thing, but it was two years on the contract and he gave it to me. Now mm-hmm. he's going to Amazon because that's how I used it, uh, to take down the button that's selling it for, for, uh, for sale for free, brand new. And okay. I know they say that you have to, get, have to leave the cover up because of used books, which is fine. There was a used, uh, thrift store or something selling one. But the new thing is what my issue is because I have the rights back and my publisher for the werewolf, dogman and other shapeshifter stocking North America said she would take the ghost book. 
So uh, right because this the the dog man this is the latest one that you just released that's the the, yeah. the werewolf book that you just put out right now recently right right just recently okay. it came out April twenty sixth okay here we are right in the heels of it okay so boy you were you've been doing costuming you've been doing everything and um but how let me ask you obviously. How did you get involved in all of this as far as, well, you know, I understand as far as the fiction, but the nonfiction books, how did, did you ever have your own personal experience or what happened? Well, yeah, I grew up with the ghost stuff. So that, that to me is pretty well given. Okay. And then my mother was inherited from my mother. I'm probably my father too, but definitely my mother, cause she used to have, uh, actually have dreams that came true and she'd tell me a couple of them. So they did come true. You know, it's not like anything else, but, um, okay. The whole thing with the ghost books is my, the one for Schiffer, the main one I had, I had one other, but uh, Dinah Roseberry had went to work for them and they didn't know what to do with the ghost book division. They All they do is nonfiction, Schiffer does. So they gave it to her and she asked any of us that were, uh, we were all members of the Mid-Atlantic Horror Professionals at that time, a forum, if anybody mm-hmm. wanted to write, write about real ghost stories. And I remember growing it because I read that stuff. I mean, Hans Holzer and that. And I remember some stuff about Richmond, even though I lived in California. So I kind of looked up how to do a book proposal because it's totally different than writing fiction and mm-hmm. wrote one up and, and stuff and they accepted it. And that was haunted at Richmond, Virginia at first. And it, but since then I've been published with, you know, and one of them actually went to second printing, second edition as of 2019. That's Virginia's haunted historic triangle. Uh, Waynesburg, J- uh, Yorktown, Jamestown, and other haunted locations. It sold out for the first. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to stop you right there. What is Virginia's Triangle? What is that? Is that like? It's, uh, Williams, well, it's Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. That's like the main three. Mm-hmm. I added other stuff around it because it's, it's a whole big area and it's considered by a lot of people and they have enough, go- at least in Williamsburg. They have mm-hmm. enough going into Colonial Williamsburg, uh, of ghost tours, not just by Williams, Colonial Williamsburg itself, but by all other sorts of groups. So it's considered a very haunted spot. And I, I'm pretty sure that has helped the book too. And, sure. but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty haunted spot. Though Paranormal Petersburg, uh, that book, uh, and that area, Petersburg, I live not far from there. That mm-hmm. one could actually, give them a run toe to toe if they ever could do that. I mean, it has the same issues of a lot of me getting a lot of images, but yeah, the triangle is a whole interesting place. So. Okay. So because I had never heard of it. That's why I'm asking. I was like, I mean, I know that that area, like you said, those towns, they have like a lot of historical significance. And usually with that, you get ghost activity, you know, whether historical or, you know, urban myths but i had never heard of the triangle thing and i was like yeah, that's it's, it's considered the th- three main ones yorktown jamestown and and williamsburg because they were like the big main colonial yeah, area because these right i was gonna say these the, these areas um are pre-revolutionary colonial type yes. settlements were in that area um oh, because you know yeah the, the history is we're talking at least maybe 400 years 300 something years as far as settlements in other words right so well, I, I, I mean petersburg is the same thing that's why i think it goes back to the six, 1600 so uh mm-hmm. yeah both of them, the area just yeah has a lot 
Right. There's a lot of layers there as far as, you know, well, like everything else. But yeah, uh, because, you know, sometimes a lot of times people think, especially in southern states, that everything as far as ghost stories is always like Civil War era things. And in some of these uh, cities, it's the, the, the settlements and the cities and everything predate the Civil War by a couple of hundred years in some cases. Well, especially Jamestown, that's the first, I mean, civilized settlement. Mm-hmm. Sent by the English, you know, so it's literally there. I live not far here in Chesterfield, which it's not in, it's in my, um, not in my Petersburg book. I should have done it, but it's in my haunted Richmond too, is, um, mm-hmm. uh, Henricus, uh, city of Henricus, which was actually this, I, I could say second, though technically I could be the third because there was supposed to be one in the middle that didn't make it, but they, uh, St. Sir Thomas came up. Up the, up the, up the river and they settled there and would have a fort and all that. So that is also has a lot of hauntings. <laughs> Believe right. me, they're, they're, they're used to that there. I bet. I bet. Imagine that there's a lot of stuff in the unexpected places because a lot of human history, whatever you have human history, you're going to get some, you know, whether it's an intelligent or residual haunting, you're bound to run into something when you least expect it. Um, so let me ask you, how did, what ha- uh, this last book that you did about werewolves and dogmen, how did, how did that come up? How did you decide to do that book? Pandemic came. I always wanted to do, if I did another one last nonfiction, I'd want to do on um, werewolves and of course dogmen. Now you have to add it because they sure hell look like werewolves and, and all the mm-hmm. stories. And then you got other shapeshifters I knew. So I thought in the United okay. States of America, I'm home doing that. And I had writ- actually written two novels during that time too. But I also went ahead and wrote this and got so many books of all kinds. So I could look through even the ones that had all sorts of things to find anything that would be remotely con- what I'm looking for in the areas. And there was a lot. I mean, it, a lot of it's Native American to start with. So that some of those are in there. And then uh, mm-hmm. so there's mythology and all that stuff. But there's also some people that have experiences and if they have witnesses and those stories are in there, too. So, and then of course, the first chapter of the history of shapeshifters and werewolves and stuff like that, actually worldwide. I mean, it goes back thousands of years. I mean, literally. So. Right. Right. Even though you hear a lot of people, you know, because we hear like in, uh, you know, even in Europe, like in France, you know, the, the Givadons that they had that, that, the wolves that supposedly everybody was paying attention to this. I believe they killed over 200 people. But like you said, it's all over the, whether they're humans that supposedly, like you said, shapeshift into, right. let's say in this case, wolves. And then you get the other stories about dogmen. Let's go with that. That supposedly they're not, there's nothing human. They're, they're not transforming. They're, that's, that's what they are all the time. At least Something that's what that, they say. They haven't caught, right. nobody's ever caught one to see. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But a lot of people, you know, they describe these encounters that it'd be like, I'll take a Bigfoot anytime over something like that. It'd be like, oh, Absolutely. my God. I wouldn't mind <laughs> yeah. seeing one of those though, over Bigfoot. I used to have nightmares about Bigfoot. Believe it or not, I was coming home from a ghost thing, and it was in Charles City, which is a part of, of, of Virginia. It's actually in the uh, historic triangle when I got, because they're all plantations. And, it was, right. of course, all country. Literally, this place is still country. It's not far mm-hmm. from here. And I'm driving along at night. And I kept thinking, what if Bigfoot was to come step out from those trees? And I thought, oh, I hope, my God, I would be freaked out as can be. But yeah, I'd rather see a, I have to admit, I wouldn't mind seeing a dog man or a wolf man or whatever it is. 
I guess, you know, it's like everything that we're subject to all these ideas. But to me, it's like, I guess since, I don't know, you always think if something's going to eat me, it's going to be the dog man <laughs> versus, versus a Bigfoot. Either I probably, but either one though, let's, let's face it. I'd have a moment of like, Oh, you know, <laughs> but, um, the, the, the shape shifting thing, um, yeah, the, that's almost like, uh, because some people think that it's only like a, uh, Native American as in, you know, the U.S. Native Americans who have that shape shifting, uh, legend, but that's found all over the world, right? Yeah, it's all over the world. It's gone back with, well, heck, the Greece, Rome with the, the, the twins and, and Greece mm-hmm. with Lycos. I mean, that was supposedly Sue turned him into a werewolf because he made, uh, Sue's human flesh and didn't tell him and so right. there's stories and it's not just werewolves i mean it depends on what part of the world you live in i mean there's only i think uh five species of wolves worldwide i found that somewhere but uh if someone lives somewhere there's were foxes the cassoni there's mm-hmm. uh, uh were tigers lions uh hippopotamus that sort of stuff so right i know i know in india they have that were tiger thing that um that, uh, like you said, like they shapeshift, you know, in other words, there were men. And, uh, I believe that one of the things they would say is that, uh, because you know how they have those, that once a tiger becomes the, the, one of the signs is that that was a man eating tiger. In other words, that once one of these animals tasted human flesh, that's what they would go after. And I believe they would say that, that when you saw the tiger stalking its prey, that you know how they come, like they put their belly on the ground. Yeah. And they would keep their head low to the ground that that was, um, that was the souls of all the humans it had killed. In other words, not only did it kill you physically, basically it would keep your soul. And that's why it would bring, come down with its head low. And I was reading that one time. I was like, whoa, okay. So yeah, there's, you know, absolutely there's that supernatural aspect, not only that it's going to eat you or kill you and or eat you, but also trap your soul, well, which like is. That. I really like, like that. I really like that. That's cool. Yes, the, in I'm India, that's one of the things. Some ideas for future stories. So, well, the thing is, like everything else, you know, especially when you look at these animals, once it attacks a human, it's like, okay, there's something wrong with this animal. In other words, it's acting out of its norm, I guess. Whether yeah. it is or it was just hungry, I mean, who knows? But that was like that was like the forbidden thing. Once that animal's capable of 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 attacking and killing a human that's it well a lot of them but, get older and, and their teeth have problems and mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot yeah. easier to catch a human over a, a bunch of monkeys and stuff like that so. oh, sure sure but you know what they, they, they all animals including predators are they're opportunistic especially if they're hurt sick um uh you know they they'll they'll just eat whatever they can catch because that's better than starving like all things uh, i think the fox is the one that's out of japan i'm not sure i think there's yes, a, ver- a version of like a where fox kind of yeah. thing Kasumi. Uh, right in japan so there's always some version and, and but it i think it's seen more of also like that you know like the fox thing that it's a trickster uh that kind of thing where yeah. uh it's coyote and then uh, coyote coyote here uh, there's and, a trickster somewhere in the world too. So let me ask you, Pamela, do you think, because again, like you said, dogmen, we really haven't, there's, we really ever haven't captured one to say, this is a, 
an animal. In other words, not a, not your typical a werewolf idea where, where it's a, a human that transforms into a, well, a wolf. I guess people have seen them close enough to say they had hands. Right. So that would say uh, opposable thumbs. That's what makes us different from the animal kingdom. Our dogs don't have opposable thumbs. Even my cats, you may have like five toes, but you can't make that one at the end. Any of them do like humans can. Exactly. She can catch. She's done it, but still, it's like you know, it's not the same as us. Exactly. Exactly. That's what you hear about the dogmen that that they have hands, even though they're claw tipped and they're animal like, but they're still hands. Just like werewolves. If you watch some of the good good movies. Right. And well, I've heard that in some cases people compare when they've had, when they've seen them, they compare them to the Hollywood version. Like it looked like this, you know, muscular, like, um, uh, body. right. Like the, uh, like, let's say the Van Helsing movie where they had, uh, you know, yeah, that was a CGI. That definitely would look like a dog man, like That's a dog the- man, um, you know, very tall, muscular, uh, in other words, the proportions, it's not like, you know, how you know, when the Lon Chaney thing where it was a man, it was a man that turned into a wolf, but his physically, he was still a man. And also something like, uh, you know, in, in um, you know, the Acadians in Louisiana had that thing about the loop guru that yeah. basically you were the same thing. It was like a curse kind of deal, but it was almost always like a human that was cursed, but physically the wolf still i don't know it's weird because sometimes you you hear that they turn into a wolf literally into a wolf wolf not like a human wolf thing and then others are it's it's that mixture of the human with the wolfish things you know things going on right um what what did you come across when you were um did you ever get to interview or speak to anybody who had an actual sighting not really. Um, I found a lot of them online. I know right. some people that, that do and uh, that not only do ghosts, but they investigate. They got a group of dogmen one, but they haven't mm-hmm. got anything on their websites other than what you know people said to witnesses. And right. so I don't know if they really go out and do the actual hunting thing. I mean, you know, you probably would need someone who's a good tracker to begin with could tell you what's a real print right. and stuff too. Right. Uh, I, I just wouldn't mind seeing one. <laughs> well, the thing is, you always hear mostly the people that I've heard of have sightings. I've been hunters or, you know, people that weren't really looking to have the encounter. They were out there either camping, hunting. Uh, then you hear the same, the, the, some experiences of people seeing them in unexpected places closer to uh, urban areas. Right. You like know, the piece of Bray Road, they're driving along and here it comes right in front of their, or racing right. along in the wood. You know, like, what the heck, you know? And Right. And it was really, you know, in some cases, how can I say it? The uh, reports on this predate, how can I say it, modern interest in it. You understand? Yeah. Where people were saying, hey, I've had this experience. I've had, I've seen this. I've seen that. And somebody took a report on it and put it away. And it wasn't like they were trying to gain any type of notoriety. They were just, I've never seen this before. And I got to tell you about it because... Either A, I think it's a strange animal or something along those lines. And then it's only when somebody goes back and looks at all this documentation of these archives that they realize, wait a minute, you know, all during this time, there's people that are basically describing the same thing. 
and it's been there at what dog been has Michigan dog has gone back farther than the, the thirties where it started a lot of stuff. This goes all the way back. So there's stories, people seen it, even the stories of werewolves, someone just called one dismal swamp here. Uh, I found that before I wrote the ghost book. I found it with this book. So when I get my, mm-hmm. book, I'm going to put it in there for the, put it so it'll match with the rest of the stuff they called it a werewolf but it had some of the actions that almost like a dogman so is it what they call a dogman or is it a werewolf of course nobody sees anything shift and change but still that it's stunning and it looks like a wolf it's yeah it's been going a lot of things have been happening so who knows what werewolves maybe people had real had real sightings you know especially primitive people if you think about the sighting of of shape-shifting and they see something like that in medieval Europe, for example, in the Dark Ages, they see a wolf walking, gets up. It's no longer, they're frightened because they're thinking it's one of the wolves they used to have an attack. And suddenly, but instead it gets up on its hind legs and starts walking. Exactly. I can imagine they're thinking, did somebody I know turn into a wolf or something? That, that's probably how all that started. I mean. Right. I mean, it could be, um, because see, back then, you know, wolves were menaced. Real wolves were menaced. So they were already seen as predators that you got to be careful with. But mostly they, um, you know, unless you were caught out unawares, you know, by a pack of wolves, you would be okay. And it's when, but normally they wouldn't go on a rampage and be start killing people. And uh, I think a lot of times, you know, it, I guess when you read these accounts, part of you is like, how much is real eyewitness or is this, how much is it superstition? You know, where does one begin and the other one end? You know, are we just being like, you know, oh, we're so modern and those poor superstitious people from the 16th century just, you know, mistakenly identified a a werewolf for, you know, whatever, anything else, you know? Um, Well, they have, um, uh, Years ago when I was younger, I, I wish I could have found that book. I had a book. Uh, it was a bunch of different stuff. This was about the 70s. And, mm-hmm. and one of them was actually a actual, um, no, 60s it was. It was an actual thing from a medieval manuscript. They found how someone can become a werewolf, taking the a, a fur of a wolf made into a belt and using mm-hmm. the full moon, not to chant, because the full moon, as we think, that came out all that later, but using it to chant something to help them get the power to shift. But they needed that belt on in order to do it, which was interesting. So that was an actual medieval manuscript that they found. So that was in that right. book. So that was kind of interesting, you know. That, so they, 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 like I said, a lot of people had that stuff. And going back, I mean... There's a lot of things. There's that one in, you talked about in France. Mm-hmm. Actually, on uh, some place I saw a show saying that they think it was, it could have been a, that one could have been a hyena. So I don't know if that's true. A trained hyena, who would train a hyena and have it in many, uh, that era of France? I don't know, but who knows? I mean, well, from what I understand, if I remember, I mean, it killed like, According to this, the numbers, I think it was like 200 people that even the king yeah. got involved. It wasn't like, oh, off in the countryside, if some peasants got killed by wolves, oh, those stupid peasants. No, it, it actually caught the attention because there were so many people yeah. being killed that I don't know how a hyena is going to do that. You know? I don't know. That's what someone explained. So but they did do a logic behind it. But but that's just one thing. I mean, and actually, right. let's talk about hyenas. 
in, in Africa, people can become were hyenas. They believe that. So yeah, there's another right. talking about shapeshifters, but we want to go into the story about it. Yes, yes, because it's like, you know, are we talking through this something distinctly different or are we in reality just seeing the result of shapeshifting? Um, so, yeah. so that's that's hard to say. Like I said, it's all in the history and stuff. And and actually a lot of people, uh, like the Native Americans and stuff, a lot of them actually it's shamans have spirit animals. So they like the thought of having the power of an animal. Mm-hmm. And uh, skinwalkers in Navajo, of course, they turn it to a, a bad thing, though. They, what they do, their witches trying to make enough evil so they can shift. And not just coyotes or wolves, but hawks, owls, all sorts of different, whatever is in their area. So um, that, that that's right there proving, you know, it's not just sh- uh, people that cursed or just want to become a werewolf they're witches and witches were connected to werewolves in medieval europe they were burning people accused of being a werewolf too sure. and they accused sure. some witches of being werewolves because they could turn into wolves too so oh oh because absolutely if like if you were if you were a human being and you were able to shapeshift let's say into a wolf you had to have made a pact with the devil there's no there's no other way of getting out of that because otherwise, in other words, it wasn't like, and of course, alchemy or anything of that nature, like you said, a manuscript, that would have been considered heresy. And that's it. You're burning. You're, you know, and by the way, from what I understand, any of these people that were supposedly thought to be shapeshifters or werewolves or whatever, not only did they kill you, they killed them in horrible ways. They executed them horribly. They burned um, them. That's enough to be a horrible way of dying. They know, but they, 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 there was one, uh, was it Peter Stube? I think it was in Germany. They sawed him in half, like down the middle. I mean, there was, it, it was like, they, they, in other words, it wasn't just an execution. Yeah. It was the most horrible way that you can execute, the most agonizing or way or torturous way that you could execute a human being. And, to me, I was, I was, um, when I read these things, to me, it's like, besides, you know, the, all these executions would, you know, draw in the public, you know, the, from the surrounding area. And I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is called, they're, they're, this is a psyop. This is like them telling them, don't ever dabble <laughs> with the supernatural because look what, what's going to happen to you, you know? Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just getting rid of, and, and you know what? And sometimes I think, you know, m- Mayhaps what they were looking at was maybe somebody that's got a mental illness because, yeah. you know, it could have been that simple, you know, especially if this person went ahead and committed murder. Who knows? One of them um, did. That I Was it Peter? I have to almost look to my book, but one of them did say he was a werewolf. He was changing, but, you know, right. he was, like I said, mental. And that's called lycanthropy anyway. Right. And let's talk about other people. And, and I talked to other friends about this. There are people mm-hmm. that are actually born with a, a, a problem that they are have hair on them. Mm-hmm. They have to shave it off and it grows back. What mm-hmm. about those people that can't help that, you know? Right. Makes you wonder what people thought about them. That when they look like, when uh, I seen a baby one time in a paper from Mexico, and it was all mm-hmm. the hair. And almost remind you closer to the 1940s Lon Chaney Jr. werewolf, literally, because that's what they look like. It's all that hair. and You know, you don't get a snout, but Think about primitive right. people. Oh my gosh, this guy got this baby has hair. He's a werewolf or yes, something. Exactly. What was it? And the reason why I know that is because you know that a lot of these circus, uh, circuses and shows would winter here in Florida. 
Yeah. And there was one lady, I want to, I can't remember her real name, but I think, you know, how they would tour with what they call freak shows. I think she was called monkey girl or monkey lady or monkey woman, something like that. And she had exactly what you were describing that she had like hair everywhere. And her husband was a guy that called lizard man because he had some type of like growth that you looked at his skin and it looked like really scaly. And exactly what you're describing. If you, if you take these people and you go back a couple of hundred years and this child is born like that, you know, if it wasn't killed outright, um, yeah, of course it's, it's, they're going to look at it like from the devil. You know, unfortunately yeah. that's the, that's the way they would look at it. They would not, not understand that this is just a, I guess what a genetic mutation or something like that. Just things uh, happen. I think for the hair, it's some kind of disease or so, I'm trying to remember what it was called, but it's something like, it's or like yeah, too much hair. Like you don't, yeah, you have hair all over the place. Uh, but yeah, for, for those years, they didn't see the, the, the science wasn't there. How's that? To, um, to back them up. Yeah. To back them up. Exactly. And, uh, I, I know that, um, even, and I'm sure you've heard of that, the, the, the place in Utah, the Skinwalker Ranch out there that's like real, that's gotten a lot of attention. Right. From what I understand, the origins before, you know, way, way, way many was from the Navajos. I believe that. They, 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 they kind of gave it a wide berth because of a skinwalker, bad skinwalker reputation, supposedly. I think there's also another Indian tribe that was there that, that got killed. I'm not sure if it's a Uti or I don't know. I have to go back up, but it's, it has a lot to do with the, the Indians about the, the course skinwalkers, which is, and then you got the aliens involved in this too. Yes. And then the house itself is haunted. So. Right. And they're, well, you know, it makes it because, you know, everybody looks at, because I think the, I know the Navajo, I don't, I'm not sure it was the Paiute. I'm not, I don't remember exactly, but you know, the, everybody just looks at maybe the last 30 or 40 years of what's going on out there, but that place has been settled for a while and it makes you wonder how far back were weird things going on. And, you know, as far as, but it's got that reputation, obviously because of the name, the skinwalker thing. Yeah. But in a very, uh, I don't want to shit, I don't want to say from a shamanistic point of view, it was more like what you said when shamans go evil, you know, when they, they, yeah. um, basically in a bad way and everybody's just the natives, uh, the native tribes just like stay away from that area. Don't go there. The Navajo don't even talk about it. They're afraid that it will come. If they say skinwalker, it will come, we'll hear them and come right to them. Yeah, they do, and they're not the only one talking about this. One thing, doing this book, I've discovered Native American. I have Native American. Meat. That's that's the Sioux, but it has nothing to do with it. It I had to start with the ones in Alaska, the mm-hmm. uh, the Ottermen, because that's the same thing too. That tribe up there says they can't talk about Kushtika because it'll know it's talking about. They're talking about it, and they'll come to them. And so there, that's where it's, I think, started, went down, of course, because then you got the skinwalker, the Wendigo, something, the same thing. And there was another mm-hmm. a little, it was a small bit all I could find about this other one in the state of Washington, Native tribe, that the same thing, that they don't dare say anything because it might make them come to them. So mm-hmm. that was an interesting concept that they're, they're afraid of, so they don't dare say the names of the creatures. Right. In other words, yeah, like, and, 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 and you see it even now in modern times. It's not like, oh, before the, 
even in modern times, from what I understand, they don't want to talk about it. It's like, like you said, you know, if you, if you start talking, you're going to invoke it before you know it. Let's not talk about it. Like, let, let's, let's agree to ignore each other because if you start talking about, let's say in this case, the skinwalkers, the next thing you know is you're going to have one, you know, you're going to become, you're going to get that undivided attention from one of these things. Sometimes so, things happen in people's homes. It's happened in, in stories. I didn't have all, all the stories I was reading about people having things happen in their homes and to their homes. There's nothing out there, uh, something outside after all that. And the funny thing is, it's also been Caucasian people having experiences too, or, or other races when they go through the, say they drive through the, through the, uh, through the tribal lands. And that includes police, like the local state police and that they've had experiences. So that kind of makes you think differently when the state police have that experience of something running alongside them and, and they can't understand why it's keeping up. It's, it's an animal, right? They're thinking and. It can't well, keep this, this is the this is the thing that's really interesting is that you ask yourself, well, you know what? If if um, and because this is the thing, the, 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 when you talk to some of these, you know, all these uh, reservations have their own police departments, okay? Right. That are you know the the officers are basically they grew up in this area, and they themselves. When they, they get these weird calls, I mean, they take it seriously, in other words, is what I'm saying. Yeah. If they go out to a call and somebody tells them, I saw this, they don't go, they don't go like, oh, sure. Yeah. One of those things. They're like, they take it very seriously because they grew up, uh, in this and they don't dismiss it as in, oh, you, somebody imagined whatever, you know, or things like that. They, they, this is like a legitimate concern, even for the, and, and I guess what I'm trying to say is from what I've seen, the interviews I've seen, it's not that they're being patronizing to, let's say, the person that's putting the complaint. They genuinely yeah, don't talk about it unless they have to. And if somebody describes something like that, they believe them. Right. Yeah, you know, because it's just, you know, interesting to, to is it really a witch turning form or is it something that that's another thing that makes me think I, as a person, what is it out there? But Go figure, you know. But exactly. they have all, all these Native Americans have close to a lot of the same things. Don't talk about it. That includes the Wendigo and that's called the Otter Man. I mean, you would think some of people said, well, why otters? Otters are so cute. I said, not when they're over six feet to eight, ten, nine feet tall. I wouldn't call that cute anymore. Let me ask you, I, I had never heard of that. I think I heard it mentioned once. What is that or, or what's the origins on that? Um, it's a, it's, it's a, a Gosh, I have to look at the name of the tribe, the tribe in it. Let me go in my book real quick. So if I can get to the one with the, sure. the, the Kushtika part. Gotta get past all that. There it is. Oops, I just passed it because I recognize the little otter I took a picture of. Um, this is it. This is, I hope I can pronounce the name. I hate to be rude to them. Ten, 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 get T is in capital T L I N G I T, and that's uh, the tribe that has something to do about the otter man. It's that section. It's okay in in Alaska, um, but at the Kushtika, where otters, what do you want to call them? Uh, otter men, whatever they call them, and it's it's just a big thing there. I mean, uh, land otters, and there's I guess sea otters, but 
it's line otters. They, they switch and they, you know, they tell children, don't you dare or go run, running off and alone without doing it or the Kushtika is going to get you because if he gets a hold of them, they can be changed. Oh, okay. Is that like then the, that's the, 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 that's what happens. In other words, because you know that all these, sometimes these, these, um, the, you know, either, either they, they eat you or take you away. But in this case, what they, they can transform they can, you into something can, like them. Yeah. You become one of you. That's okay. why you don't want to listen to any strange calls in, in the woods that you think there shouldn't be anybody in there at the time calling your name and that. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to get you to change too. So that is so interesting because, um, and let me ask you the original, I guess the, uh, does it ever, did you ever find out how the original otter person or man was, was it that they were cursed or, no, How did this happen to them? They've got so many stories in the book. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, it goes back for a long, for a thousand, for how long the, the tribe has been there. So, um, okay. it's just the way that it is. I mean, it's just like all the, you know, but yeah, the otter man, that, that's why they threaten the kids. He's almost like the boogeyman. If you think about the boogeyman, you know, don't sure. you go, wow, the boogeyman's going to get you. Well, that could be the otter man. You're going to be sorry because you, you may not be human. After a while, stuff like that. Right, right, right. That that's the, um, you know, and, and it's and it's really funny because, you know, uh, uh, a lot of European, um, you know, uh, some some of their their, what do you want to call folklore? Same thing that if you hear something calling you, like it'll try to lure you in the woods, and then you end up getting yeah. lost. That type of thing. Right. So, the it's almost like. You know, that, 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 that's, that's almost like all, I guess I want to say all cultures, you know, especially if we're talking hundreds of years ago is one of the origins. And, and I'm going to go with the, uh, I'm sure you've heard of this missing, the, uh, Dave Politis about the missing 411, all these people that have gone missing. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe hundreds of years ago, whenever the origins, whether it was Native American or European or prehistoric, maybe people were go missing sometimes for normal, they just got lost. It happens, you know? Yeah. But I guess it was one of the worst things because that's where the danger was. You know, once you got out of sight of either your camp or the fire or whatever, that's it. All all bets were off. So if you had a child, this was the best way to keep them close to home was to tell them, you know, you're going to get carried off. But then you hear sometimes of even adults falling victim to things like this, of this nature. And they do this. They tell them, don't, if you hear the voice, and they can tell it's, they'll, they're, they're smart to go the opposite way and talking about even european or anywhere else the fairy tales the original mm-hmm. fairy tales were not made for children i mean you sure. know people think now it's like the disney one no they're not that was not as not the real ones i mean the uh red little red riding hood don't go with the stranger you know like the wolf and it could yes. possibly even talking about werewolves if you want to say that but even the bad evil person you know you know, mm-hmm. it happened to you, you, could, you know, and they're talking about adults, you know, don't go out after dark because you don't know what's out there, you know. Right. Like that. Exactly. Exactly. That's from what I understand that if you read these uh, fairy tales in the original format, it was like, this is, this is not for kids. No. It was not anything, but they, they were very dark. They were very dark. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of symbolism also in them. 
the way they were done and, you know, makes you think, uh, you know, whether there were real or imagined fears, uh, you know, a lot of cautionary tales, of course, you know, the, uh, if you do this and I know, um, God, it's, it, it could go, you know, you could dissect them, but yeah, absolutely. What you were saying, Pamela, they're there. It's very far from the Disney version of all of these fairy tale stuff and all these princess things and things of this nature. It's like, wow. And you know what the other, now that you mentioned, I'm going to put this in real quick. The other day I was reading an article and I don't know if you're familiar with that, uh, that, I don't think it was Disney. It was Pix the the Shrek series. You know when the yeah. the Shrek, okay. And I was reading that supposedly the princess, you know, she turns out she's an ogre. All right, yes, she had been cursed, and she goes into the tower. You know, they were playing off all these different fairy tales, but supposedly they say if you look at the actual in those twenty years that she was locked up in this tower, what she was she was a cannibal because she was eating the knights that would try to go and save her. And they were showing that she was being safeguarded by a dragon. And then they're showing how there's different snippets, but one of the most convincing was there's a part where it shows where there's the dragon had like a big cauldron with like a cookbook open. All right. Opened up. Yeah. And in it, it shows like a night, you know, but like, in other words, it's a recipe book and basically how to cook a night. So the inference is that princess, I can't remember what her name was, but she was a princess was she lived for 20 years in that tower she had right exactly i'm sure i'm sure he didn't leave the the guy the guy that locked her up so she she would eventually marry he's uh, there i mean they probably didn't think about sending food to her of course nobody would want to go near the with the dragon anyway so right but i was like man i hadn't thought of that (laughs) you know you look at it it's like cartoonish kind of like you know you never and i was like Okay, I never, you never think about that, you know, that here she was for these 20 years, she was cannibalizing these knights that were coming to rescue her because, and this dragon is like preparing it for her. So yeah, that's, and it was a real interesting little article. And it was like, man, some of these things that you just overlook totally in these supposedly, you know, kids movies. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. All right. The, the ogre, princess ogre cannibalizing men for 20 years. But, um, uh, the let me ask you the when you were doing this research on this last book was there any uh type of of story or shapeshifter that you came across that you said man i have not heard of this before gosh well there are the owl, owl witches but that's not the only ones i think well number one the, i would say the kushka but they had something one of those uh uh travel channels uh paranormal shows, which uh-huh. actually went to Kustika, uh at one point. But uh, one I would think, let me look at my stuff, probably could be one of the owl people, but there's a couple of other creatures too. Let's see if I can go to the chapters here. Show what I got. Right, um, because um, you mean probably the owl women, they're, they're, they're definitely, they're witches, but they Shapeshift into owls is what they do. And some of them okay. are formidable too. I mean, <laughs> I guess if you become a giant big owl, that's probably creepy enough. But, um, but there's that. Let me tell you, some, those things can be impressive. I've got a huge owl that comes because I have these huge oaks on my property. Huge and every once in a while it goes hunting in my, you know, from my trees. And that thing is huge. <laughs> it's, it's impressive. 
I grew up in California and I, I remember apartment. We had to be careful. There was a bush and there was a screech, two screech owls. One was small, but mm-hmm. the other one was super big. And you're thinking, I'm not going to go near that big screech owl. It might just bite me or pick me. All right. But, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. another one I didn't understand. Where is it at? That I thought was interesting was the, um, the badger one. Okay. At the last chapter. Uh, that, that's another one. And it's funny because Lakota has Sioux in me. Well, my Sioux was the Hunkapapas and they're still in Nebraska, but, uh, it's still the same. I'm sure they're all put together up there anyway. And they mm-hmm. grab the badger, uh, the earth animal. A lot of it says a lot of the shamans use it, but that was one I didn't understand. I didn't know that they used the badger a lot and that was into shape shifting. So that was one I didn't know. A lot of the others, I kind of came across both. And the one other one I said that, that you don't dare call the, I can't pronounce W-E, Duge, Duge, whatever it is. And, 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 um, in, in, in state of Washington, that native tribe does it. That one I didn't hear about either, but then it was the same as, it's almost like the Wendigo and Cannibalism. So there is, mm-hmm. they all seem to have some of the same stuff. You know, some of it sometimes. Right. Because badgers, badger, people don't realize badgers are very fierce, man. They're dangerous animals. Well, yeah, but that's what they believe. They say that it's also a lot of other things. That's why the shamans like to have that as a uh, spirit animal, I gather. But. Right. Well, because in some cases, and this is the thing that, you know, some people, you know, especially about among natives, sometimes they would have, if you want to call them totems, or they would have like certain things about, a certain animals that they admired the traits, whether it was a wolf or a bear or whatever, like it was, you know, it was, but there's a difference between the traits of a certain animal being desirable as in being fierce, for example, or fearless or whatever to the transformation part, because that is, I guess, even in among these cultures, it was like, that's it. You know, you've, you either, you lose you, your humanity or you're trapped in that body or something along those lines. Um, that's the feeling I always get from some of these things where once you stick over that line, it's not like, oh, I admire that. You know, let's say somebody that wears a bear claw, you know, and a necklace to signify, you know, whatever. Uh, once they become that animal, uh, then that's when everything changes, actually becomes it. Well, that's the berserkers of uh, uh, the Vikings. They right, either, exactly. They change, if not wolves, it could, they were considering them maybe werewolves or were bears. Mm-hmm. That's a right. big thing there, were bears, which is a bigger animal to begin with. So, um, right, because from what I understand, even among the Vikings, the berserker was your top tier, like, uh, like fighting machine because they were just like nonstop, is from what I understand. I don't know that much about it, but that's what I've always thought that. That if you were berserker, even among the Vikings, this was like your fiercest warrior that was difficult. They were like a killing machine, in other words. Right. So, and of course, they attributed the the same thing, like you're saying, the 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 characteristics, like you said, either to a bear or wolf, which are very fierce animals. Um, The and and uh, it's really when you um did you come across any you know how the the typical um 
how can I say, you know, like the, you know, when the werewolf came out, the movies like the Lon Chaney and all of that, yeah. which is, you know, that he, you know, it had to be that only silver, you know, what was it that it, you had, it had, he had to be killed by somebody who loved him and by a silver, something like that. that that's probably wrong. Anybody probably killed. As for silver bullets, I mean, there's mm-hmm. stories of, of some of them. One, I remember years ago, I read, supposed to be true, that the guy used a silver sword. So, yeah, yeah, but I don't know if the silver sword had anything to do with it or just been a chop off a head. Silver is a soft uh, metal anyway, so I don't know per se if that really, really, really works. But, um, but yeah, silver is supposed to be a thing. Um, a lot of that... I think it's the bullet thing started with the movies more. Um, right, I know that that, that and, I, and I was you know that, that you know that movie, there's movie stuff. People got it yeah. mixed up. But they're now also the people that do that uh, uh, almost like Dungeon Dragon, but they use uh, to do about um, White Wolf is the name of the company, but talking about werewolves and stuff and their their terms. And so some of that stuff they use isn't exactly what you reading the old, old stories about how they came. It's just like vampires. Um, people talk about the zombies, they, which the zombies that we're seeing on Walking Dead aren't really zombies. Zombies are Haitian with something from pufferfish. Uh, right. But the undead is all over. It's been there for centuries. And, and actually in Eastern Europe, I read this years ago, and that's what struck me. They didn't just drink. Uh, first, they came back after the family. It was never mm-hmm. anybody else. It took over the years they changed that. But first it was, you know, come back to their loved ones, which actually there was a TV series, The Strain, that they used. I, God, that, I saw that. That, that saw was that. really creepy. They almost looked creepy too. But they did do the part coming back for the loved ones. Mm-hmm. So that's what they did in Eastern Europe. And they didn't just drink blood. They ate flesh, which almost right. sounds like the zombies of, of all these movies now, right? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I, I pointed that out to everybody I says, you know, we're talking about zombies, which is actually a Haitian thing and, and, mm-hmm. and they puffer fish. And I, I don't think they really killed them. I know they say they think they did, but I'm sure the puffer fish could do things to make it look like and then control them. Sure. Let's face it. You know, if you, if you're in a country where, you know, you look like maybe your, your respiration or something, you're like, he's dead. Okay. Let's bury him. And out there, people don't understand if you're living in a tropical climate, you need to bury a body quick because I think goes bad very quickly. Well, the public, whatever they, whatever they do to it probably can cause it to look like similar. Right. Yeah. That's from my understanding. It, It paralyzes like to the, so the person is like, looks like they're dead and i think i don't know if it's respiration everything is so slow or so low that um that it it, it, for somebody and i don't know it's from what uh it simulates like this person is dead and then they come back to life and they they, the thing makes them controllable for a while until like one sister said she ran into her brother years later and he, he said he had been done like that to her and so that's yeah that's a big thing that so when they turn the term zombies to something that originally uh he actually turned it into actually was thinking of uh something else to use but well here it is vampires in eastern europe were eaten in the old old way way back not just blood but flesh shows you that that that's done all undead do that they just they're not zombies it's just whatever they are vampires or Whatever undead, I mean. 
right? Because they, yes. they've, they've, uh, people don't realize, you know, because everybody, like he pointed out, you know, everybody thinks of Dracula and Bram Stoker, which by the way, today, which is May 26th is Dracula Day, official Dracula Day, by the way. Oh, I'll tell my husband's birthday today too. So in the UK, um, Whitney Abbey, where, which they're saying Bram's supposedly they chose today because today in 1897 was when the novel was published. Okay, and in the UK they're having a big celebration. They're trying to get over a thousand people to dress as vampires because. <laughs> From what I understand, Whitby, Whitby Abbey is the inspiration that Bram Stoker used for the Abbey, you know, the, the setting of Carfax, right. in other words, for his novel. So everybody in the UK is partying dressed like a vampire in the UK. But, um, what I was going to say is, you know, a lot of people think of the, 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 the modern vampire story as, uh, you know, the Bram Stoker Dracula thing. But previous to that, they've just, they've excavated and they found what they call deviant burials. Right. Whereas they would put p- p- things on people's bodies, just exactly like what you're describing to make sure they didn't rise from the dead. In other words, this was like, this was a belief, you know, in a lot of these countries, as far as like you said, people rising from the dead to come back either to the family or to eat, you know, whatever it is. Um, because the vampire wasn't just the blood sucking thing; it was the consumption of the living. Right. Uh, so, people, there was a big belief in that long before, you know. And, and if, from what I understand, maybe this was what Bram Stoker was finding when he did his research. Maybe that's part of it. Who knows? The but, the 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 nep- great nephew of Bram Stoker. He's also there is also a son, but the great mm-hmm. nephew is in South Carolina. And he's with the Horror Writer Association, so I met him. And oh, he okay. said his uncle actually used a lot of the ideas, believe it or not, for the North New England vampire stories with the, the okay. bells on the top of the graves. That's one of the big things. They, if they woke, because people woke up and they weren't really dead. They didn't have any way to prove yeah. somebody's dead, right? And they didn't, at least back then, they didn't stuff. Now, if they put stuff in people's body, you're not going to come back right. at all. The embalming, the embalming process, yeah. Right. If you're not dead, so, you're going to be dead. So they rang bells. Actually, in Virginia, here's an interesting thing. And I'm thinking that's all connected to that. Some were buried. I've been found buried standing up. Their coffin, they're standing up in the grave, not oh, laying down. I heard that. So that's like, I'm, I have a feeling that has the same thing as the bell ringing. One of them is a Civil War gen, uh, general who died. He was buried at one place that's, that's a haunted place. And he was buried at Hollywood Cemetery. Then they moved him and buried him under a statue. Now they're trying to, they're going to get rid of the statue, the whole thing. So they got, I don't know what they're going to do with the body. They're probably going to put it back to Hollywood. I mean, he was buried there the first, second time, but, uh, but he was buried standing up. So I'm always wondering, is he still, I wonder if they buried him standing up on that statue, if they were taking it down. I wouldn't mind going and say, can I see, see if he was buried standing up or yeah. did they not do that? But that's what he was. They buried him standing up and they buried some others standing up. And they actually had one guy that died and he had his body put in his mausoleum on a rock, mm-hmm. on a chair, rock chair, whatever, facing his plantation so he can make his slaves feel nervous about that ever since. Oh and my God. The lady took over it and they kept telling her this and she wasn't a family member, but they she told her, she thought, well, that can't be right. That, why would anybody do it? So she went out and found them, they broke into them and they found 
of course, a lot of the stuff had broken down. It's been years, but they found bones on top of it. So it was obviously true. He was sitting on it. Right. That was kind of that was really creepy. Uh, yeah, but but you know what? And but but it points to that people really at that time really had a big fear of being buried alive. It wasn't like oh, this just happened once. This it was prevalent enough that people were like, which to me, of course, is a real fear. Uh, it was. Um, I, the last thing they wanted to do was wake up in a coffin and slowly die to death, slowly inside, you know, a confined, you know. So this was a, a real fear back then. It happened even in the late, early uh, 1900s. My mother told me a story from at that time it was Czechoslovakian. So I'm half on her side, Czech and Slovakian. But uh, okay. there was a, she was telling me a story about a funeral her mother told her that they were walking along and, um, it was in Czech, uh, Prague, I think. And they they suddenly heard a knock, 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 knock. And they stopped. And they're looking funny, the pallbearers. And again, they hear a more frantic. And they oh dropped the thing and got scared and dropped it and ran off. But he probably was somebody just came back because he had been uncomfortable. This was so, they were still freaked out about it. So they ran off. Yes. Think, well, maybe somebody actually wasn't dead. Let's check this. No, they didn't say that. They dropped it. No, nobody wanted to be that person. It's like, you know what? I'll, I'll go have somebody check it out in the morning or something. No, it was uh, because a lot of people, it wasn't the first thing that came to mind. It wasn't like you said, this is somebody that was buried alive. It's like, no, somebody's come back from the dead and they're coming to get me. All right, or something like that. You know, a lot of while he's still, and he's not even buried yet. They're carrying the coffin, and it's doing that. So that, yeah, yeah. Back then, also, they had the uh, problem with the uh, graves being robbed for the bodies for these uh, universities. That was a big thing, also, that people had to deal with with uh, grave robbing. No. And if they did so. it right, it didn't look like grave robbing. Maybe it'd make people think that well, somebody came back from the dead too. If you thought sure. about it, sure, exactly, exactly, and the. And from what I understand, usually, which of course is that they would, the ones, the, the, the grave robbing was from fresh graves, in other words, because they had to get these bodies to, you know, to a certain place with fresh, I guess is what I'm trying to say, so that they could be dissected. So I know that that was uh, another big problem with, and uh, it's possible, we'll talk about vampires. We can connect werewolves with it because that was a okay. belief that some people believe that if a werewolf died wasn't regular i guess wasn't killed uh mm-hmm. say like the normal way he just right. died somehow maybe he he would come back as a vampire oh really yeah that i hadn't a, heard of that a, that's interesting beliefs, some beliefs uh, i think in europe so they believed in that so there was this was like the the the, the next the next level punishment i if guess you're you not become an undead vampire right right and see, this is the thing that I was, I was one time I heard, you know, as far as if we go with the werewolf and the vampire, if you were a werewolf and we go with the, uh, with the thing of that you transform only during the phases of the moon, basically you could pass for normal for the good portion of the month. You could go around daytime. You could pretend to have a normal life. Whereas if you're a vampire, that's it. You're, 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 you know, you're, you can't go out in daylight. You can't pretend to be human, et cetera, et cetera. So in a way you almost think like, yeah, I could see where, Going from werewolf to vampire, that's it. Any pretense that human life is gone. 
But there's some in the story, not all have to do with uh, the full moon actually at all. Right. They okay. Turn it any night. It was nighttime they turned. Right. So. And it's Seems almost you want to. It's a bad thing, I guess. Right. Well, almost like, you know, by will, in other words. Because when you read those stories with the phases of the moon, it's almost like it was a punishment. It was like, I have to endure these, whatever, three, four days, whatever the full moon was. And then it's over. In other words, they wouldn't voluntarily turn into a werewolf. It's that they were, they, they turned without wanting to. So, but yeah, but, the, but then of course, uh, if you're, if you're, if you're doing it because either, like you were saying, it was a power trip, you know, or because they are, they're, uh, dabbling in occult practices that allows them to do this. Wearing and a wolf, wolf skin belt. There's actually mm-hmm. even a story where uh, I think someone found they were looking for somebody and they found some wolf skin cloaks and they put it on the two brothers and they changed into a pair of wolves and they couldn't change back until they could get that off them. Kind of interesting. They were Stuck right. they didn't know how to do it, but it was they were checking on somebody about that, and here they put the cloaks on, and that's how they change it to wolves. I guess the other people that own the place. That's interesting, yeah. or it makes you wonder. You know, let's let me per, let me pass the curse on. You know, whoever wears this coat or whatever or this wolf skin, that's the next person that is. You know. Now is cursed with, uh, you know, like whoever has the, whoever wears the skin, eh, you know, that's it. It, it, it's tag. It's your turn. So that's, that's a very, um, and, uh, people, um, they, there's a story that St. Christopher, which is known as, you know, among, uh, as the patron saint of travelers and policemen and all that. In some of the gospels, you know, some that they say they're, that, that he was a cenotaph. In other words, a dog head. All right. That's, that's in the whole thing with my first chapter. There were a lot really? of dog heads. There were a lot of, there's even in Greece, there was supposedly an island of dog headed people. That's interesting. Right. They dog headed. And I don't know if they meant really dog headed or looked like a wolf headed. That was interesting, but what kind of dog headed? That's the whole thing with the dog man. A lot of them say, Oh, they're not like where wolves. Wolves have long snouts. Now, let me tell you, I had a Siberian Husky. Mm-hmm. And the, the timber wolf in my book that I took a picture of at the local zoo. And my dog could have been alike. Same length of snout. So that's, that's a misnomer for these dog men hunters to say, oh, we call them dog men because they have a shorter snout. No. Dog, at least you, if it's got the same length uh, as a uh, my dog has proven they can have the same length as a wolf. <clears throat> and the only ones that would have shorter snout anyway, let's talk about, would probably be something like uh, Rottweilers or the dogs with the, mm-hmm. the, the problem, the bulldogs and that, that they can't actually breed because of that either. Right. And that's... So kind of say, but, but yet they're telling description, everything else, pointed ears, which is wolf-like, or mm-hmm. like my Siberian. They're normal. Right. Okay, I mean, the whole thing else is quite close to a werewolf. And uh, and would look, I, I don't know. I mean, go figure. 
It's either okay. they're seeing a wolfman or they're seeing somebody like the wolfman and the Juan Cheney. Yeah, he hardly had a snout. He had a small one because he was human, ape-like turning. So I don't know. I mean, but that's what they say. I I I probably would disagree with them. I said, may it, is it the dogman? Is it the wolfman? It's probably the same thing. But they mentioned that in the old, a uh, lot of old plates. That's St. Christopher. I read that. Right, right. In some Eastern Orthodox depictions, he's shown as getting a dog head. And when I saw that the first time, I was like, huh? What? At least he had something misformed. Maybe it was born that way and it looked kind of odd. Maybe that could be it to their uh, reasoning uh-huh. for that. That's all I'm thinking. Probably that might be so true if they did it by accident. You know, it could have been a birth thing. But the, sure. the group one, there's a whole island of dog-headed man. And I, mm-hmm. I yeah, there was a lot over in Europe. Talk about dog, dog-headed men. Sure. Absolutely. They were, they were mostly dog-headed men. Well, and, and, and then, you know, and then, you know, you go to the point where, um, and I know you mentioned it earlier and it sounds like you read about it where, uh, there's that story in early Greece where Zeus basically, cursed, uh, cursed because- Lycos to becoming a werewolf because he had sacrificed his own son to him. Something along those lines. And let Zeus eat the meat without uh, the right. body was eating, you know. Exactly. So, I mean, those those stories have been around for a long time as far as, like you said, going back. And because it's almost like when they identify, and I'm, again, this is, Scott, so long, so many hundreds of years ago. When they describe St. Christopher, it was like he came from a land that was known to have dog-headed people. In other words, it wasn't – I thought the same thing. Like, was this maybe somebody that was born with a misshapen head or some weird abnormality that made them look dog-like? I would but just then I don't know. You know. It's almost like they came – he came from a land that was known to produce people like this. And it's like, okay, maybe there's something in that area of the people, some genetic – trait that I, you know i was like it's but then of course it's open to interpretation but i'm going to tell a real short story about because i used to do hypnotherapy for many years and one year this was a while back i haven't i closed down my hypnosis center because I, I can't do everything at once but anyway one time i had through you know um i had a gentleman call me on the phone and, you know, you, you, you know, you would usually get these calls and I had this gentleman call me and say, look, can you hypnotize me to forget something? Like erase it from my mind. And I was like, I usually had a different call. I would get a call like, Hey, I can't remember where I hid my jewelry, you know, right. or things like that. I said, no, I, I can't, uh, you know, I can relax you. Uh, I know, you know, he sounded like real edgy and anxious. And I said, I can relax you if there's something. That's some memory that makes you anxious. Maybe we could help relax you with hypnosis, but I can't make you forget it. I can't erase it from your memory, which is basically what he was wanting me to do. I said, but can you tell me what it is that, you know, it's maybe something that I can help you with. So this man, by the way, on the phone tells me, and you can tell he's being very cautious. He tells me the story. And again, he's not telling, I have a feeling he's calling me from out of state, but again, I can't confirm that. He tells me he's, Going down a highway, it's forested. And he says it's an area where he knows that there was a lot of deer. So he says, I was driving along on the slow side because the last thing I wanted was um, uh, like a deer to jump out 
Right. In other words, it wasn't it wasn't a heavily uh, traveled road. It wasn't like a highway, like a regular highway. And he says, I was riding it slow because at night, you, these deers are known to jump from the embankment over the road and to the other side. Right. So he says that all of a sudden, off to his, he sees a deer and it's coming up and he's like, he knows it. And he says, so he's, this thing is like, come, he says he speeds out from the tree line, stops. And he's thinking, oh, this thing is being chased. Like what's going on? And he says he's already slowing down and this thing just bounds up and he sees something coming from behind it, chasing it. So she, from what he described, I guess the, the there was like an embankment that leads up from that field, from the tree line up to the roadway. And he sees something. He says, I see something pursuing it. And I'm thinking it was big and hairy. He says, wolf. He says, I was thinking bear. You know, he says, this is the first thing. And he says that. When this thing comes up the crest of the embankment, it stands up on two legs. He says, he says, I'm watching this thing because by now my headlights are on it. Okay. And he described the dog man. And he says that he, that, that's, he says that's the part that tripped him out totally was when this thing got up on its hind legs. Because when it came across to the field, you know, that little from the tree line, it was on fours and then it got up, crossed the, the tear kept going. Crossed over the road on two legs and then just bound off and then on four kept going into, into the other woods that were on the other side of the roadway. Right. So coming back, basically this man, his reality had been so, I'm going to use the word fractured by this sighting that he says he could, he says, uh, you know, I'm having a hard time sleeping. I'm anxious. You know, he, it just, his, it altered his sense of reality so badly that he wanted to see if I could hypnotize him. Just, just forget it. He, you know, it was like, I can't, I wish I could go back to before I saw this. How's that? Yeah. You know, and we worked on it and I said, look, I can't do that, but I can give you. And and I told him because I told him I had other instances for other clients had called me for something similar. I said, look, I can't tell you what it is because I don't know. I will tell you this, I've spoken to people who have similar sightings like you. Okay, so I don't want you to think like the universe is picking on you kind of thing. I don't know what it is. And, you know, we worked on some relaxation, but that's a short story about somebody that called me that I, like I said, it was very unusual because usually people would call me to get hypnotized to remember things. All right. And that's the first time I'd had somebody call me to say, I, I want you to erase my memory about this little date or this night or this hour minutes or whatever and that was the story he told me and it was like and i know he was very hesitant at first because he was afraid that i was gonna be like crack up or go you're crazy and i said look sir i've heard hurdle and i can't remember he gave me a name but it was a real generic name i'm sure it wasn't even his real name and i said look i've heard a lot of things i'm not going to wig out on you i'm not gonna laugh i'm not gonna make fun of you i'm not gonna think you're crazy why don't you tell me what it is you're trying to forget? And that's when he told me that story. And um, so there you go. I mean, you could tell by the way he, when he talked to me, this was somebody that had been profoundly affected by what he saw. That was something he doesn't probably believe in normally and just see it. Oh, absolutely not. This guy was just trying to go down a road, hoping I don't want to run over a deer and smash up my car. That's, that's what he was thinking. He told me, he goes, I was going slow because this yeah. area after dark is known for deer bounding over the rock, you know, 
the, the, the roadway. And the last thing I wanted to do was hit a deer. I'd live in an area like this. So I, I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. And, and Charles cities is like that. That's why I said, you don't hope you don't see Bigfoot because they have deer and stuff like that. In fact, even dogs that were dumped after hunting, we actually clipped one by accident. We didn't expect it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, that would be probably rough on somebody that that's just beyond their normal sphere of oh, yeah. something mm-hmm. that looks like it should be in a movie and not, you know. <laughs> right. Well, I, the feeling you get when you speak to somebody like this is if this is possible, what else in this world is stuff that I think is just a Hollywood, could be just a Hollywood film is possible then. You see, it opens your, it expands your horizons to places you don't want to go. You know, I I have a weird theory and this is probably the writer in me because I'm thinking that would make a good idea for a story. I mean, Stephen King made one, The Mist. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about alternate, another universe. What if some of these things are that? Sure. Coming, I mean, uh, okay, Bigfoot. You could probably explain we did have gigantic apes and and some point we had to have something. I mean, they couldn't have just be everywhere else in the world and not here at some point. Right. But even that, some of them disappear and, and maybe same thing with the dogmen. Maybe they, it's like ghost. You know, we know that's another dimension. That's, you know, I read actually two times in my life. The first time I read it was years and years and years ago that, um, Heaven and hell are really the same as we are right here, another dimension. It's not mm-hmm. like a lot of people. In fact, I had somebody yell it at me. She was Baptist and this was in California mm-hmm. and she lived in a golden kingdom. I said, well, this is not what, you know, the, oh no, I don't want to hear it. Da, da, da. I said, and it's yeah. not really up there and it's not really down there because all we're going to find is molten lava and whatever else our earth has. So right. yeah, dimensional and, and there is dimensions. I mean, you got the one, two, and three, and we're the third dimension. Go on. What's the next through that would fit whatever? Or alternate universe. I mean, alternate worlds. I mean, that's another theory. You see this in movies, but you also see that as, as theories. So. Right, right. And, 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 and this is the thing, you know, they turn back the, the CERN, the Hadron or Hadron, it's Collider out in, what is it, Switzerland or one of these, which had been closed down for three days. I mean, three years. And, you know, one of the things that people say that they fear is that this thing could do exactly what you just said, Pam, which is to open a portal or rip into another dimension. In other words, that what, and then you, you do get the thing of like that there's other natural occurring portals, whether mm-hmm. they open and close on a time schedule or timetable or whether they're just rips that come and go. And then, like you said, that mist, that, that's a great example where things come through there that, um, which is, you know, how sometimes there's sightings of certain animals or cryptids for just a bunch of people see it and then it's never seen again. It's like a, a moment and it's almost like it came and went and then that's it. It's gone. It's never seen again, but it's witnessed by a bunch of people, even credible people. And is, are we talking about a rip where something came through? And one of two things, it was either able to go back or for some reason it couldn't exist much, you know, a length of time here in our world for whatever reason. It just, maybe it couldn't, it was too alien for it. I don't know. But, or, 
we can even talk that about UFOs. If you think about, sure. is, are they from other plants? Or maybe, of course, that could be a warp uh, tunnel, uh, talking about uh-huh. that. But, sure. Or can some of them actually come from other? And now that the military actually believes it, because they said some they can figure out, you know, but some they can't. I mean, the lights and splitting in half, that's probably what's interesting and that they can do that. And but you know what? Let me ask you what you think, even though, the, you know, you know, they had that, what was it last week? They had a Senate hearing about UFOs, something they hadn't done in 50 years. And I'm, I, I'm like, why now? Like, you guys have spent the last 60 years telling everybody it was weather balloons below Mike. You know, it's like, why, why now? I'm thinking that, that now that they're scared. First, they oh. might think that somebody else has more power and has abilities. I don't think that at this point. I think we would know at some point. And so yeah. far, what we have seen terrorize Putin has a lousy army now. He's let it go to pot. Uh, the other guy's doing missiles. And China, I don't think, is hiding it much at some point well, either. That and, we can't figure know- things out. And this is the thing because I'm, you know, you, let's go, let's not go into ancient aliens or nothing like that. We're talking about modern history as in 50, 60 years. Yes, you have your people that do see something that's not really that. You have your people that are just, they're like, they've lost, uh, you know, grip on reality, but there's a lot of credible witnesses. Credible I'm, one witnesses. Of, I'm one of them. This oh is my God. Crazy. Say that. For real. Okay, this, there's two, two happenings. The second one was in Elkhorn, California at night, the way the thing up with friends of mine, which is into, okay. uh, they're Star Trek, but they're into science fiction. Okay. My husband was with me at that time, so he saw that too. Now, the first one, though, was the one that was interesting. It was daytime, afternoon, clear skies in Sacramento, okay? Our backyard was actually, toward the back, was was part of was Stockton, California. The front was Sac- the city, the one was the country. So my father's under the tree under the bench he mailed, so he doesn't see anything. And my dogs and the pet pen. My mother and I are sitting on the back porch. My mother points up and says, what the heck is that? And I look up. I'm in third grade. I'm not really stupid. I'm actually advanced for my age and a lot of things, I can tell you that. So when I saw it, I got off the steps and went under it. Number one, it was low enough to say it was big, okay? It was big. It was right. round. It was not a anything it was not a plane not in the early 60s come on this was definitely nothing from the early 60s it had it was scarlet red and and silvery silver but the colors when they met together it's almost weird they blended and it made a sound it was odd to this day i remember that sound. i can't say how i did it but i remember this to this day and i'm standing up looking at it and it's passing over us as slow as can be like I don't care who sees me. That's the attitude. Afternoon, bright sunlight, low enough to the ground, okay, to show how okay. big it was. This was, I had, I wish I, back then you didn't have phone cameras. We didn't even have cameras oh. in our house, my parents. But I would love to have taken my phone with that sucker and a video of it passing over like that. Cause I would have. Uh, but it was that slow and like, I don't care. That, and I went to tell a friend afterwards it disappeared. Wherever it went over our house and disappeared. And a friend of mine said, Oh, tell that cop. I said, Really? I'm going to tell a policeman. I'm crazy. Pulling his leg because I'm a kid. But to this day, I remember that. And it was freaky. It was like, And my mother saw it too. It was not just me, you know? Right. 
is that? That's what she was wondering. And exactly. I said, I said, Mom, I think we saw a what they call a UFO flying saucer. Is that what they call them? Uh, it was round. It was round. I I tried to see, look around and see if I could see anything on top of, but it was round. That was not a plane. <laughs> I don't. They, I really knew what they had. I mean, I'm not stupid. I read back then. I saw movies. There was nothing close to a plane shape of, at all in that time era. And if you look it up. So what was it? It was not a balloon either. It made sound like engine of something. Right. And, and this is the thing that for all the reports that they have, when I mean reports as in they reported to somebody, do you know how many reports are just like what you just described? People that for whatever reason, they never say anything. So, okay. There's so many reports that are known, and let's not even go to the ones that have never been written down, described, you know, passed down, like what you just described. There's thousands and thousands and thousands. What, you're going to tell me everybody was seeing a weather balloon or they lost touch with reality or it's like, come on. If you take that 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 percentage out of the equation, that leaves. That's what I'm saying. It's like, that's why a question is like after – so many years of basically, uh, you know, I, from what I understand, if you had some type of responsible um, uh, position, whether it's in the military or a uh, policeman or something, it was like a career killer. If you started talking about the UFO you saw, it was like, shut up. Don't talk about that because you're going to be known as that guy. That's and all so of a sudden, good. you know, you get these people and it's like, I don't know. There's some, I, I'm just like, let's they see. They had Blue Book for years. They had stuff. Where are they getting these stories? Not, not just modern stuff. Sure. Okay. Exactly. I can see the current pilots and, and I believe what they're saying. Oh, sure. I do. But, but I, from what I understand, they've been seeing this for a long time. Way. And, and it was funny because they had one of the little shows on and the one guy, uh, Josh Gates, he says, mm-hmm. Oh, where, uh, why are, you know, uh, Nobody has any seen all this before. And I yelled at the TV screen. I wish she could have heard me. It's called Blue Book Air Force. Blue yeah. Book. Yeah. I mean, I knew that growing yes. up. So, uh, and this was no weather balloon. This was metal. It was made up. That I can tell you too. Whatever kind of metal it was, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it was not a balloon. Well, I, I read my, 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 uh, my youngest son served uh he was in the navy and he served on the uss ronald reagan cvs 76 out of uh ports of coronado island i was reading this article he he went in in 2005 but in 2003 2004 on that very ship which by the way i think it was uh you know launched like 2001 to it was like a modern carrier they had a two-day sighting of what they called a, a ball of light that followed the ship. And it was like, you know, the, the, the people that described it, um, that they interviewed them not too long ago. These people have left the Navy and everything. It, it didn't ha- – it had soft edges. You know, like when something is flaming yeah. and it was like an orange-gold color. And the people that – some of them, you know, they're – they're you know, if they do like – I want to say guard duty. I know that's not what it's called. But, you know, they're supposed to keep a log. And some of them, they some gave their names, other remained on, anonymous. And they were, they said, we were told in some instances that they they called up the, their superiors, like, "Hey, <laughs> what's this ball of light hanging out over the ship?" Because they're out at sea, by the way. Yeah, they were doing these maneuvers that they were that they checked the ship. You know how they have, and they're being told. I, I, by I know where that's from because my husband was probably stationed there, North Island. 
No, it was in Coronado Island, right outside of San Diego on yeah, California. That, 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 that would be, they were probably stationed at North Island. That's what the carriers were. Because my husband's ship was as big as a carrier. It was a, not, it was what a happened ship. was that it was originally since the ship had just been built or yeah, launched, it, it had been come out of Norfolk, out of Virginia. Okay. And eventually it was transferred, you know, it had to go around the, 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 the Cape and come to dock. And then it would, then it was docked. I think it was in 2004 out of Coronado Island. But at that time it was one, it was in transition coming out of Norfolk to go over there. Yeah. And, um, basically these people are describing where their higher ups, they, they dismissed it. And others who, uh, would fill out the, like the log books that they're supposed to do, like a, what, what, they the the they were told to tear out the pages. Okay. They were like, you follow orders, but they themselves were like, okay, and nothing came of it. But this thing followed them around for a couple of days or hours. It like it, it was I know it was overnight that it was with the ship like overnight. Then it came closer and it went far away, and none of them. In other words, not only were they kind of you know, wigged out. What wigged them out was that the people up the food chain on the ship were like pretending like this is normal. And that was, I thought that I had just read this. This came out not too long ago that this happened like in 0304. Oh, they're looking back now to see which ones are real. And they're starting to say there's some they can't predict what, what they can't even say what it is. They can't figure out what it is. They're acting, what's bugging me, they're acting like they're scared. That's a danger to the government. I said, number one, they, been here for a long time. People had experiences, not just the military. I know you're trying to deny the rest mm-hmm. of us, but I remember what I saw. If if it wanted to, that thing was so little ground. It could have blasted us real easy. My house and sure. that was it. I mean, it, I, I, I'm thinking they're watching us to see what we're probably we're probably more danger to ourselves. And well, than- you, when I was reading the article, I'm thinking to myself, I. I Remember, this was this was I'd say like I said, oh three, oh four. I'm thinking, man, two thousand one we had just had nine eleven. You would have think that a nuclear ship like this one, a carrier, see something like this and they would have gone on a full alert. Nine eleven had just occurred two years before or three years before. Yeah. Okay. So you would think this something like this would have been like what? And the people that were there that were serving, they, they they couldn't understand why it was being ignored or they were told to basically pull out, rip out log pages. Like in other words, no written, um, I guess, evidence or recording that they had sighted this close to the ship. So I don't know. Very, very, very unusual. I think uh, they're, they're learning to not deny it anymore. I'm pretty sure the military has had enough experiences of stuff of like course, that. Of course. I mean, if I was another planet and I wanted to worry about human beings, what we're doing stuff now, they, we'd be watching everybody's military. I'm sure they're all over. There are other countries. Some countries have said things, but some of them we know aren't going to tell us anything. I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if North Korea has been watched really carefully with all those missiles. So I, all those things, all those things, I guess eventually, let's see, hopefully, like I say, I hope in my lifetime, somebody comes out and says the truth. <laughs> Sometimes I, that's really hard to come by. But well, anyway, they're, they're just not calling it aliens. They said it's not, we can't say it's aliens. Well, now, it's, and now they're not calling them UFOs or calling them UAPs. It was like, oh, stop it. They're UFOs. Why can't you keep calling them UFOs? <laughs> 
That's what they were called back in Blue Book. So I guess yeah, I know. It's like, why are you trying to redefine them? UAPs, you know? It's like, I guess they want to say that we're we're saying the truth. Uh, that it's UAFs. Okay, well, wouldn't it be easier just to call them UFOs? What's the difference? It's it's an unidentified flying object. It's all you know. Exactly. Exactly. Again, Pamela, thank you so much. It has been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. Do you have, for my podcast listeners, what's a website that they can find uh, your work at? My website, you can check all my web, both fiction and nonfiction stuff and everything else is uh, HTTPS dot dot slash slash Pamela K Kinney, P-A-M-E-L-A-K-K-I-N-N-E-Y dot com okay and i'm gonna have a link to the credit in the credits of the show and let me ask you <clears throat> can they find you on amazon or only on your and i the reason why i'm asking you this the is werewolf, I know you werewolf dogman <clears throat> and other shape shifters are, are everywhere she got okay. that was okay. the best thing she ever did and so it's not just amazon right now i can tell it's been selling because amazon posts all this stuff and posts it's in, been in the top hundred a lot whether it's the kindle or the right. regular paperback, but it's on Barnes and Noble. It's at Books a Million. It's at uh, IndieBound.org for uh, independent press books. It's at uh, Bookshop.org, which helps a lot of bookstores, uh, indie okay. ones like that. So they, that money else goes at, and it, it, their their bookstore can order it in because I made sure she said it's full available too. So mm-hmm. I asked them when I'm doing a book signing in July 2nd, a book warehouse in, in Williamsburg. I'm going to do my usual Virginia Hunt historic triangle and the new book. And he says, yeah, they've had theirs in, in the main warehouse because they're like an indie bookstore, but a chain version. So they all, okay. they can order it through Ingram's. And, uh, okay. Okay. They just so they can book. find you there. Are you working? Do you have any plan? Because I know you said something. I'm working on two other books. Do you, <clears throat> are you working on something now that you're going to publish? Uh, I just finished a short story and submit it for a call. Uh, vampire one, by the way. That's all I'm going to say because I hope the people aren't listening because <laughs> they're okay. It was a blind, blind call. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but, um, are we talking fiction or nonfiction? It's fiction. Okay. I'm going back to a lot of my fiction. I have another one that was, uh, I had done that with a group of, us beta reading each other and i the last one i made it into it uh one uh, three of us only made into it of our group that made into this uh anthology coming out later uh about called bloody rock like taking rock and roll or songs in the 50s 60s and 70s i took uh-huh. gotta, I get, gotta get out of this place and it's set with dismal swamp and the dismal swamp ghosts which are is haunted and so it's all wow. in there and but anyway um Right now, I'm going to try and get back to a couple of novels, uh, sequels. Okay. But this weekend, I'm actually going to be selling at per, uh, Sage Paracon at the Bell Grove Plantation Bed and Breakfast in King George, Virginia. So the whole wow. it's Saturday and Sunday. Okay. God, that is fantastic. All right. See, a woman after my own heart. You know, it's like, you know, you're finishing one book and you're like, okay, I'm already percolating my other story up here, you know, which is, which is, let me tell you, it's, it's food for thought, you know, all these things that are going on. And then you, you, you weave them into the stories, which is, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm into fantasy sci-fi slash supernatural thriller slash. Yeah. That, well, that's, that's another that's, reason I brought this book, not just 
for me, of course, to have all that mm-hmm. on hand. I buy those kind of books when you're writing that fiction. But yeah. this is for writers. I've had writers buying this, so I'm hoping it inspires right. them to write their next whatever story out of that. Yeah, sure, of course. Yeah, that, I was going to say, that's my bag, baby. Again, thank you so much. It has been absolutely wonderful to speak to you. Take care, Pamela. Thank you, and thank you for having me. On the contrary, my pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. It has been absolutely wonderful to talk to her. What do you think? Let me tell you. And you know what? It's And this is the thing, you know, when you go back and you do research, whether it's werewolves or dogmen or vampires, you know, and you look at some of these old stories, whether hundreds or thousands of years old, you know, it's really easy to fall into the... uh, the mindset, you know, these were superstitious people, or they're making stuff up, or they were mistaken, um, you know, stop right there. You know, th- that's that's like being a, a, an intellectual snob about these things. Um, sometimes people are describing ex- literally what they saw, or the best they know how to describe it. And just because we can't put a handle on it, like, no, something like that can't exist. That doesn't mean it didn't back then. All right. And like I said, um, that, you know, that they have those examples of deviant burials where they have, uh, like in Romania and Poland, I mean, in Italy, all over the place, uh, people that were buried with certain items inside their, their graves, which was to hold them in the earth. There was one where they would put a sickle or a stone in the mouth, or different things, you know, depending on what part of the world it was, which was basically a way to make sure that this person didn't rise from the dead and basically victimize the living. That was always the fear, all right? And it makes you think, okay, at what point did these things start? Because we're not talking here where these people are thinking a ghost. They're not talking about something that's ethereal as in you're going to get haunted by whatever. They were talking about the corpse reanimating and coming out from the grave and what, whether you want to call it eating them, um, drinking their blood, the vampire version, things of this nature. In other words, there was, there was belief in this. And it's surprising when they go through these old cemeteries that, you know, that, uh, that they open up and they examine and they see all these things and, uh, and in some cases, uh, they find, for example, even sometimes, how can I say it? People would be, even as punishment, sometimes people would be buried certain ways uh, to uh, almost like punish them in death. Like they would be either be buried like face down or uh, the, the grave would be uh, pointing in the wrong direction, you know, contrary to whatever the, the popular belief was as is in this was the best way to make sure you got to the other side, whatever the other side was for that culture, whether it was heaven or reincarnation or whatever it was, there was certain things that you would do to a body basically to stop it from continuing on that trip. But then, like I said, the deviant barrels wasn't the, the spirit thing. It was the a reanimated dead person that's going to come back and get you or she, or the, the, the family. And, you know, some people will say, well, like, what was it? The ones in, I can't remember, was it Maryland or 
one of the New England towns, the one that was a family. And basically they, they all died of tuberculosis and the, and the fact that, um, that they were all stricken with tuberculosis, uh, led them to believe and that when they opened the tomb of one of them, she was rose, one of those deals. In other words, she didn't look like a corpse. And you know, and it makes you think, okay, that's very easy to believe. But then this is, this is the flip side. This is the part that when I think of that, I go, eh. Back then, tuberculosis consumption, as they called it, was very prevalent. Okay. A lot of people, it was, it was, it was easy to transmit, you know, especially if you're talking a family, people that were living together, uh, in, let's say under the same roof. It was not an uncommon thing. It was known that people and families could catch consumption, tuberculosis, and that it could decimate a family. In other words, I guess what I'm saying is the fact that one of them died from this disease, which was, remember, a pale, uh, coughing up blood, uh, thin. This was, these were all the symptoms that everybody in those years was very familiar with. This is consumption. All right. By then, consumption was well known to that you could catch it. All right. So I don't see why the fact that all these family members supposedly all died of consumption would make anybody believe that it was a vampire because this was a very well-known disease of that time period. And sometimes people would linger for years. Some people would die sooner. From what I understand, you know, until the, you know, the more modern times, you know, where they had the sanatoriums and, and from what I understand, even like in at the turn of the century, and even in the United States, when they had its outbreaks, basically you were mandated to go to the sanatorium. You couldn't hang out with the rest of the people because they knew it was contagious. They knew it was contagious, so they would send you off to these sanitariums. And of course, the the the, the mountain air or whatever air you were sent to was supposed to help you. And you had you know these different types of um, of treatments until they discovered what, what was the bacteria that was causing it and they, you could get, you know, whatever you could, but again, I, I still don't get why such a well-known understood and I don't want to say common, common enough disease would lead people to believe that that family, that they were vampires, unless there was something more to the story than just a family members just dying one behind the other. I, I think that happened quite a lot more than people cared to admit. All right. Uh, like I said, sometimes people died quickly from consumption. Others lingered for years. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, I read at one point that it was like, it was romanticized to the point that being a, a victim of consumption was almost like a romantic thing. You know, the lethargic, uh, pale person uh, that would get flushed and, you know, I have to lay down because of course your energy is... And all this was almost like romanticized into being like, oh, a desirable thing, which is a horrible way to look at it. But uh, that, yeah. So that's that's my, you know, the thing on the vampire thing. Like, how much is how much is superstition? How much is it made up? How much is it misunderstood disease? And how much is it, if possible, based in some type of truth? Maybe that truth doesn't exist now. And since we can't find it now, then it could it has to be false back then. What if some type of 
well, let's go down the crazy road. Well, rabbit hole. What? Maybe there was some type of vampirism. Maybe vampires died out or that, whatever, some, something or some being or some human or whatever you want to call it that, um, was drinking human blood. And, you know, there's people that will say, well, you know what? There's, if, if you're, if this is the, 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 this is the way your crazy works, which is you think you need to drink human blood because you think you're a vampire. Uh, and, and I would say I'm, I'm going to go on the supposition that that's a more modern construct. Back then, drinking blood or cannibalism was taboo is not the word for it. Okay, but then you never know. Mental illness that somebody, but maybe there was some type of being back then that really did exist, which doesn't exist anymore. That contrary to what everybody believes, you know, the vampires live forever and ever and are indestructible and, you know, all these mighty powers that we give them. Maybe that isn't the case. We don't know. Or they transformed into what everybody thinks of now as energy vampires. You know, they, uh, you know, they don't drink your blood, but they sap your energy. That's possible. Psychic vampires up, up to a certain point. I, I, I have run across people like that, which it's all about them, 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 them. And I'm not talking here about like no romantic relationship or anything. I'm talking about even friendship or people you meet where they, uh, they, they're, they absorb your, they either talk about, it's just them all about them and they dump all their problems on you. And, and if you ever, run around them. They don't want to hear anything about you. Or if they do the, listen to a little bit of your thing at the beginning, like most normal conversations. And then it's like about them, 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 and about their stuff and their woes and their this and their that and that and that and this. And when they leave, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think I need a nap. Uh, I, I do believe there's people like that out there. Uh, you know, they walk away all cheerful. They just, they just had their own uh, uh, mini therapy session at you, <laughs> and you, and you footed the bill for it. Um, yeah, contrary, there's people that they don't need to actually have a therapy without going to a therapist. All they need is just a listening ear, somebody that's too kind or, you know, too, you know, their, their, their manners prohibit them from saying, shut up. I don't want to hear another thing about this, man. Walk away. Like, don't ever talk to me again. Yeah. So anyway, guys, uh, like I said, I'm going to have a link to Pamela's website on the credits of the show if you want to check it out. Also, that book that just came out like, I want to say a month ago about dogmen, shapeshifter, werewolves. Um, and again, uh, don't forget, you can go to Miami Ghost Chronicles. You're going to find all the links to either the podcast or the video versions of the show. If you want to listen to the podcast without commercial interruptions, go to the links that I have on there and you can either listen to it on the browser or download the MP3 files. If not, I've got links to all the well-known podcast platforms. Okay. I'm also on a lot of different video uh, channels just besides YouTube. um, I'm all over the place. Uh, If you've got a Sonos unit, um, you can find me on Alexa. You can find me on Sonos. If you want to listen to me while you're doing whatever you're doing at home, you can find me there. Uh, I'm all over the place. Just look for Marlene Pelliser, Stories of the Supernatural, Miami Ghost Chronicles. You're going to find me a bunch of different ways. And again, come back next week. I've got a lot of fantastic guests coming on. A lot of interesting people coming on to talk about different things. New people, repeat ones. So again, you are all wonderful. And come back. I look forward to spending this time with you.
until then.